And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. On the line, we have Antonio Montero, who runs a great website and Facebook page called Coach Diary Let the Kids Play. Antonio, welcome to the big kickoff. Cheers, guys. Thanks, uh, Listen, Antonio, for those who don't know the Coach Diary, um, can you explain its purpose and how it all started out? Um, I suppose the purpose really is uh, on Twitter and that, um, I also have a blog, CoachDiary.com, is it's just a platform for coaches who want to educate and learn themselves about the game uh, in terms of developing their knowledge and, and their insight into, into how and best to coach children that play um, recreational sport. Um, I started it uh, probably about six or seven years ago now, I think. and. Um, I started it because I was just looking for more information. I was looking to see how I could become a better coach. Yeah. Having spent a year of um, prowling the sidelines, roaring and shouting at, at kids, and, and um, I just felt at the end of the season, or my first season of coaching, that I wasn't enjoying it. The kids certainly weren't enjoying it, and uh, I just wanted to find a, a different way or another way, and maybe a more enjoyable way of, of coaching uh, kids. Yeah, yeah, and and I think um, there's been a few few little websites and Facebook pages that have a similar purpose to that. But let's start from yeah. let's, let's start from the top down. I suppose the Republic of Ireland football team's World Cup dreams were shattered when Denmark trashed us five one in Dublin a couple of weeks ago. Well, the Irish supporter can understand that we don't qualify for all tournaments, not guaranteed. They're kind of a bit disgruntled about the style and the nature of the play throughout the campaign. The FAI have a development plan in place that encourages basically the opposite style of play to our pinnacle football, which is the Irish national senior team. What do you make of all this? Um, well, well, first and foremost, I think, you know, at an international level, they are in the entertainment zone, so um, the, the main focus is, is to win games, regardless of of, of how you play. Yeah. Um, you know, we all want to see nice football. We want to, we all want to see teams kind of trying to play out from the back and up through the thirds and into the final third. Um, it's not always possible, but um, I, I, you know, I think everybody sort of wants to see our national team kind of mix it up a little bit and not go long when we don't need to go long. Yeah. Um, I think probably now with the youngest ages, you know, football is um, is certainly Im- improving in terms of in terms of style. Um, there's obviously a lot more qualified coaches, um, but at the same time, there's probably more kids playing the game now than ever before. Yeah. So although you have a lot of coaches who are, are more qualified, um, you have a lot more children that are playing. So in terms of kids breaking through it's probably even harder now because there's so many kids that are playing um, uh, I, I think you know I suppose the FAI I mean they, they, they kind of facilitate football they they, they in a sense um, provide I suppose the, the coaching courses for, for people to get educated and, and, and develop through the coaching pathway um, their main focus from what I can see is really international football I don't think they're, they're they're really focused on, on youth football no. although you know with the new implementation of the underage leagues at 15 17 to 19 it's certainly you know a very very good idea um, I'm not too sure at 13s that it is so we'd rather see another 21s league um, I think at 13s there's, there's enough being done at schoolboy football um, and also it's an age where, where, where kids are coming through puberty and that so there's, there's massive big changes at that age so it's, it's not 
based on a lot of research, it's not the ideal age to have um, elite competitive football. I wouldn't even say elite because these kids aren't elite. And um, to me, no. you're only an elite athlete when, when you reach uh, professional level and you're actually getting paid for it. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, it, and just to probably the last touch on the senior side of things. Uh, is blaming the style of play on our lack of technical ability probably just is it a scapegoat when you see the likes of Dundalk playing in Europe against the best and, and playing a more positive style? Well, I think these look, all these footballers that are playing for Ireland are all technically proficient. You know, um, they wouldn't be professional footballers if they weren't, you know, if they weren't able to pass and control the ball. Um, that they can do. If you look at the Danish team and you look at our team, I mean, probably some of the Danish players w- w- looked like they were technically better. At the same time, though, we haven't been playing that style of play. So, you know, maybe for players to, to, to kind of all of a sudden start knocking the ball around, probably under pressure, it was probably going to be a little bit difficult. difficult. Also, that wasn't didn't seem to be that was the game plan. Um, I have no doubt that these lads can play ball. I have no doubt that these lads can, can pass and knock the ball around. Um, they do it every week in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, watch our Irish players in the Premier League. You know, we're not looking at them every week and going, Jesus, he's giving the ball away every couple of no, seconds. He's terrible. He's giving the ball. We, we don't see that. You know, we see our lads are playing. They're, they're able to control the ball and pass the ball and move the ball on. Um, so I don't really buy that um, our players aren't, aren't technically good enough. I, I think probably at the younger stages, we probably don't do enough on it. But when these guys get to England, you know, and they're, they're playing in the, in the top teams in England in the Premier League, I mean, that's all they're working on every day is technique, is passing, yeah. is so, running with the ball, is moving the ball. So, so they're well able um, to do it. And, and so pardon? they're well able to do it. So it's not a, it's not a, 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 a thing of that we can't do it. It's uh, no, it's probably no. it's 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 actually a belief nearly installed in them that they're they're not are able to do it. I have my son is in here with me today, Adam, and he watched the Ireland games, and this is where I'm leading to. He watched the Ireland games with me and kind of commented on how poor they are and commented on the simple things of he's just kicking the ball away. Why is he doing that? So we we have younger footballers who are looking up to the senior team as they're heroes and they're playing a the style of football that even a nine-year-old can look at a game and be baffled by so what, what, what i'm going, coming around to is the fai had a plan as you mentioned already from the under 13s upwards but they seem to have neglected the most important developing years you know from four to twelve what are your thoughts on that um I think now we're getting caught up in, in kind of the, 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 the four, five, the six, you know. I mean, now the Dublin District Schoolboy Leagues have under sevens, uh, sorry, under sixes and under sevens, which is the academy team in each club, you know, moving around, playing fixtures in preparation for the under eights. Um, and I always thought the under eights division or, or fixtures was in preparation for the under nines, but now we seem to be going backwards. Yeah. Um, also, they're putting the best of the best at, at too young of age, in, in my opinion. I, I don't think that, you know, the best kids should be playing against the best kids at under seven, at under eight, at under nine, at under ten. And the reason being, I believe, is that we no longer produce players that are technically, you know, able to go past players, great dribblers and that. And, and I believe the reason we don't do that is because we're putting all the best kids together at such a young age that when a, when a really good dribbler comes up against another kid, He's probably coming up against one of the best defenders. Yeah. So it makes it very difficult for him maybe to dribble past that kid, or else he's been told or encouraged not to dribble and, and maybe to pass. You know, I've yeah. been to some of the 
underage games and you can hear some of the coaches saying pass, 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 pass. So they're basically taking the decision making out of the child um, uh, and making it coach, coach orientated and instruction orientated from the line. If you have mixed ability kids, say up until, I don't know, under 10s, under 11s, those kids who would be really, really good, really good tactically, would be able to dribble. And that's because they'd probably be coming up against kids who, who wouldn't be at their level yet. So it'd yeah. be a little bit easier for them to dribble around those kids. And for me, that's how the likes of the best dribblers in the world learn. They didn't learn by playing against the best from a very young age. They learned by playing against other kids of all levels and all abilities, yeah. either on the streets um, or, 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 or through, their, through their underage setups. Um, and I think just the best of the best at a young age is, is, is just the wrong way to go. I don't think we're going to produce the players that we think we're going to produce um, and, it, and it's kind of shown in the last number of years I mean with some of the kids that are coming through I mean if you look at our international teams at under 21 and under 19 they're mostly made up of English kids yeah. they're mostly made yeah. up of English born kids you know we're not looking at the Irish kids and we should be you know there should be something there that says well you know we'll, we'll only if you're playing in Ireland then our under 19 team is only going to be based on, on Irish based players yeah. you know, maybe as we get into senior then, then, then we'll look to mix it up because they're still the development years. In international level, they're still the development years. It's only really at under 21 that it becomes really, really super competitive and, and kind of relates then to, to the senior team. Um, Would Like I said, the coaching is getting better at the younger ages. There's certainly more kids playing football. Yes. But at the same time, um, you know, with, with so many more kids playing, there's much more teams within age groups. And, and, and the quality is not there. The quality is not there to, to, to get down to those kids in all the grades generally what happens is the most qualified coach works with the, with the A team with the first team so you have all the kids who are in the A team be it 10 kids 7 kids 15 kids whatever it is they're all getting the best of coaching they're all improving because they're playing against the best kids you've got the 99% below that that aren't improving and they're just as they, as they go up through the age groups they're still staying at the same level, same level, same level, and eventually they get to 15, 16, and, and they either give up or they just disappear, you know? So what would you do? If you were in charge of our technical development, how would you approach it? What I would do is, first, I wouldn't have children travelling from the ages of 5, 6, 7, and 8. I, I would make sure that um, teams, I suppose, team football, probably for me, shouldn't start until about under 9. Um, and from the years below that, say under 7s, under 8s, you would hold blitzes in your club, so you would hold weekends where you would invite three or four teams over. They would come. They, they, you basically play lots and lots of games for maybe an hour to, for two hours minimum, and you play lots of games. All the kids would get a run, and all the kids would get equal time. And then when it comes to training, each age group will have a, a, a qualified coach, the most qualified, you know, say say your wife A or your wife B coach, who would then control each age group. So say the under nines. You know, Mick looks after that. He's a qualified, easy way for a coach. He's implementing the same coaching style at under eights, under nines, under tens, all the way up. All the kids at under nines are getting the same level of coaching. So they're all coached at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and they're all getting the same level of coaching. So that allows for kids to move up and down. Okay, yeah, at under nines and under tens, maybe have a little bit of streaming. So where, where you might have, I suppose, because you don't want to put all the weaker kids coming out every weekend and playing against, you know, all, all the best kids from another club and then, been, you know, after losing the annihilated every week where they're losing by, 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 by big scores. So for training, mix all the kids. Then when it comes to the weekend, you know, again, mix the, mix the teams. Well, make the teams fair. So, you know, allow kids to move up and down if, if they need to move up and down and, and progress. So if, if one kid, you know, might, he's not quite there yet, 
maybe he needs to stay at a, at a certain level within that age group. There's a kid who's, who's playing at the top, and all of a sudden, you know, he's had he doesn't seem to be punching on a little bit. Moving down then for a couple of months, and then moving back up. Yeah. Um, and I think that all the way up until under 12s, until we get into actually uh, competitive leagues where the, where, where the points mean three, you know, where the games and the wins mean three points at the end of it. I think kids should be allowed to move up and down within the age group and uh, all, all the coaching that those kids are getting. Every single kid at the club, club is getting the same level of coaching. Uh, same level of coaching. The guys who are looking after those age groups, so you know, you might only have six, five to six guys in each of the clubs, they will then go and get educated, uh, either be, be it by the FAI, um, or the, you know, the FAI will, will, will organise conferences in relation to development, you know, what they want and all that kind of stuff. And each six or seven of those guys from each of the clubs will then go to the FAI whatever every couple of months once a year whatever it be and they would get their instruction and they would get whatever they need to get to bring back to the clubs to, to coach those kids in, in, the, in the right way so that everybody across the whole of Ireland is seeing it from the same hymn sheet we're all doing the same things we all have the same attitude in relation to child development where it's open where it's not and where it's not you know it's not a straight line to the top we know yeah. that child development is is a curved line you know it's that way you, you progress there's a little bit of regression there's a little bit of progression along the way you know and i've seen it myself working with kids where from six months to six months you have progression and then you might have regression and then they progress again you know so we had um, we had Marco Sullivan on uh, good, well, probably a month ago or so, um, and we talked about similar things. Uh, now this is obviously we're focusing more on, on on an Irish situation here, but one of the things we we were talking about was basically on society that society has kind of let us down as well. I mean, when, when you look at houses being built. There's a lot of apartments being built. There doesn't be a lot of green areas like there used to be. So then it takes away from uh, you call it street football. It can still be out in grass areas, you know that sort of way. So maybe society, you know, parents. It's parents are more reluctant to let their kids out playing uh, football out in, on the roads or what have you. So maybe a society we're, we're we're taking away a lot of that time that you learn yourself you teach yourself how to develop as a player uh, and just go, just going on from that I mean uh, let's talk about the leagues that are running Ireland as we are located in Dublin the DDSL has probably the power to influence in this area do you think the DDSL are helping or hindering development I think that um, in certain ages they're, they're trying to help it in certain ages the lower ages they're probably hindering it but they're basically hindering and not knowing that what they're doing. So, I mean, you have to understand that a lot of people that run these leagues are volunteers. Yeah. They, you know, they don't really understand child development. They un- they understand implementation of fixtures. They understand implementation of um, of rules. They under they understand implementation um, uh, uh, of league tables. So they don't necessarily understand how children learn. Yeah. You know, I think that you know, even playing five v five at under eight, under nine. You know, a lot of kids can't adapt to 5v5. You know, yeah. They just don't have the mechanical ability to adapt to 5v5. Another thing is, a child could go nearly three weeks, four weeks, month, two months, three months without even scoring a goal in 5v5. Yeah. And the whole point of 5v5 is that kids get plenty of touches and they score goals. In yeah. Belgium, they actually don't play 5v5. They play 2v2. So with under sixes, under sevens, they play 2v2. And then they move at under eights, then they move into a 5v5. However, at the same time, they understand that not all kids can make that transfer from 2v2 to 5v5. 
so they still encourage the 2v2 and under eight. Yeah. What do we do? We do something different. If, we, if it's 5v5 and another team shows up with an extra two players, we end up playing 7v7. You know, so we think, oh, we've got more players. We don't want to use someone on the sidelines. So we'll play seven v seven. Yeah, yeah. So in a sense, then you know, we're actually getting further, even further away from from what we what we were trying to achieve, which is we're trying to, I suppose, recreate what three football was, which was more touches, more fun, more goals, no rules. And because we have these structures, and because the league is implementing this, and because the base, the education is not feeding down into the clubs, and the education is not feeding down into the coaches people just start doing their own thing and they start thinking well it's, it's the best not to leave a kid on the sideline so we'll just play 7v7 yeah, yeah. but in fact it's actually detrimental yeah. that game you know the same kid might be, could be the weakest kid he's probably not getting any touches he's probably, he's probably not enjoying it because he's not getting any touches and he's, he's not scoring any goals yeah. and, and probably his teammates aren't passing them because they know that he's one of the weakest kids but if he was playing 2v2 he'd have to be passed to yeah. and the player would have to pass to him Another thing is 2v2 encourages much more attacking play because when you're in possession of the ball, you generally have the player in front of you. You know, you're always looking to go ahead. You're always looking to go attack. You're always looking to dribble because you might only have one player ahead of you or you might have two and you might think, well, I can dribble past these guys. But generally you only have one because one is either facing the other, the other fella is minding the goal. Um, so I, I think that the league's they're trying to do their best but I think they need to be engaging much more you know they need to be engaging in social media they need to be engaging much more with people who are on talking about these things I mean there's a lot of people who have a lot of knowledge in, in terms of child development in this country and we're not tapping into it yeah. we're not speaking to these people we're not holding seminars we're not holding conferences I mean the FEI held a coaching conference this weekend what was it made up of it was made up of all FEI coaches yeah. who went to it 150 people most of them were RDOs I mean, where's all the coaches going to these things? Why, why aren't they? I mean, I just don't think that the information and the stuff is feeding down to where it needs to be, to the grassroots. You know, I mean, I held a, I held a coaching conference a couple of years ago. I had 110 people on it. You know, I'm a small blog. Yeah, the FAI yeah. are a massive platform, and they can only get 150 at theirs. So do you think they're going you know, through the motions? Longer. Do you think they're going through the motions a bit? Um, I think they're just facilitating things. I mean, I think yeah. that their main priority is international football. Their main priority is to pay the debt on, on the Aviva Stadium. Um, so I don't see grassroots football really as a priority. I think the underage is being brought in to, to put a bit of structure into the underage, but it's predominantly been left to the League of Ireland clubs to run. It's saying, look, this, this is what's happening. You guys need to run this. Make sure, make sure it happens. You know, and it's, yeah. I suppose it's putting a lot of pressure on League of Ireland clubs who are already under massive financial um, constraints to have to uh, now all of a sudden try and find funding to, 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 to run the under-15s, the under-17s and the 19s division. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I said, I have my son Adam uh, here beside me. He's nine years of age, came into the, to the show to have a look around. Adam, what's, what do you enjoy most about football? It's a hard question. It's a hard question. What do you, what do you like about football? <laughs> Tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Yeah. What do you enjoy doing in it? Getting the ball and, and passing it. And passing it. Mm-hmm. So that's what your enjoyment is. Uh, I couldn't really hear him there. What he said he, get, he said getting the ball and then passing it. So he, yeah. he, he obviously, as you said, he he likes he likes to get on the ball. Now I know him as a player. He likes to get on the ball and run with it, as, as you said. Um, so, and I, gar- I guarantee with Adam as well, you know, 
most kids don't like to train. They don't like training. Yeah. I, mean, I, I see kids in, in my after school when their parents are picking them up and they're heading off to train. Oh, I don't want to go training. I don't want to go training. Most kids don't like training. Tell you what they do, they love. They love the game of the weekend. They love yeah. coming down, putting the jersey on, playing the game of the weekend. And they certainly don't want to be left either on the sideline or not playing or not getting enough touches and not scoring goals. That's no. what kids want. They want to play. They want to score goals. They want to have fun with their mates. And that's it. And that's and that's how and we they want to improve. And that's what we did when we were younger. We all we just wanted to play. We just wanted to get out, play, trying to learn how to beat a player. And it's it's no different than the structured element. Uh, it, it should just be get out and play and enjoy yourself. Um, listen, the, 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 uh, this is the DDSL now again, and this is what it kind of breaks it down. The amount of games that are called off or have been idle, uh, the summer break of two months, uh, which I feel is, is too much. Again, are, are these, are, are these things just, just not beneficial to the development? I, I, don't think, I don't think they are. I mean, you know, this, this, we voted for summer football. We've got calendar year football. Um, you know, there was too many stop starts. There's been three transfer season, three transfer windows in, in this year alone. You know, where, where, where kids are able to move clubs, so there's too much movement. Um, look, I'm all for, for kids who weren't getting games and aren't enjoying it to go and move. But at the same time, it, for teams who, who who you know were trying to, I suppose, to, to create and develop a a, a little bit of a, a structure, it can be difficult when you've got three transfer windows and all of a sudden kids are moving from here to there. Yeah. If you were, I was involved with the under sixteen age group. You know, our, our age group was, was was just totally decimated. Was totally ripped up. Um, we didn't get a transfer window after the summer, after the summer when a lot of lads went to under seventeen during the summer during the, the transfer window in July. So we just left a lot of teams, including my own, with, with very very few players, uh, and also unable to replace the players that had left. Yeah. Um, I think if you're going to go calendar your football, you need to either play through play through the summer or just go back to the way it was, go back to w- w- within the school year. I think the school year kind of suited everybody. Everybody knew roughly when the league started and when this league ended. Um, the have they not? Holidays. Have they not you know, this just? Thing, this co- thing is stopped starting, and then you're finishing June, and then you're doing a little bit in July, and then you're not coming back till the end of August. And have they know, not I mean, just made the league the same as it was? the same period of time you're playing but just calling it summer football because we used to play yeah. from February anyhow because the weather was bad in January and till, till June yeah. or whatever playing from September to November anyhow because the weather was bad anyhow yeah. so they haven't actually brought in summer football they've just suggested that it is summer football no they haven't no it's, it, it's the same thing you just I suppose you're just squeezing it all into a year as opposed to doing it with the school year which is a year and a bit you know yeah, and the, mo- two, the most disappointing two, two half years thing years as such yeah, the most disappointing thing is is that uh, I think clubs haven't been they, they weren't I suppose asked there was no they didn't look for information back about you know sh- how did the first year go in, in, in summer football what could we do yeah. to make it better uh, they kind of just charged on again which I see in the new rules listen uh, I have a, a clip here and hopefully you'll be able to hear it have a clip here and, and we'll just it's about 1 minute 48, 49 and uh, we'll just have a little chat about this after it Kids inherently want to be good teammates. I really believe that with all my heart. Most kids, when they're on a team, I guarantee you, you go watch any seventh, seven-year-olds or eight-year-olds, they want to be good teammates. You watch them play. When they get a little bit older and they start having a little more success and then the parents get involved, they become not-so-great teammates because they're told a lot of times that you're not going to get anywhere unless you shine, unless you, you know, so now, back in the day, 
we had AAU tournaments. You had to win X number of games to qualify for the national championship. And you played on your team, and you, you had to live in your state or whatever, your area, to play. And you played, and if you lost, you went home, and it was devastating. And that's Rebecca and Jamel Elliott and Jen Rosati and Nikisha Sales, you know, going, you know, Megan Patterson as far back as then. Well, that's changed. Now when kids go to these tournaments, they're not going there to win games. They're going there so that the coach can see them exhibit their skills. So this idea of winning for the weekend doesn't exist anymore. So it's not their fault. That's just the way it is. And I, you know, I try when, when we go recruiting to identify those kids who still have a tremendous interest in being great teammates. We're not always successful. Believe me, I've had my share of guys that were really hard to coach for that reason. And you can trace it back generally to the parents. Without question, you can trace it back to the parents. So, uh, I, can't spell this, I can't pronounce the second name. Gino Aramera? Ariema. Ariema. Good man, Dave. Uh, He's talking about parents and basically putting their kids in shop windows and forgetting that they're actually playing a team sport with the rest of the team. How do we solve the fading drive that is teamwork? Um, I think we just, I think parents, look, they're a big part of the game. Um, you know, without them, we wouldn't have, you know, a, a large amount of teams. I mean, in my club, I think I'm, there's me and another guy, but I'm not sure if he's still involved. Um, I'm the only one who's not coaching their own child. So yeah. we have 50 odd teams. There's only one team that, 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 that has a coach that's, that's no child involved. Um, and that's probably the same across a lot of clubs where the vast majority of the coaches are, are parents. Yeah. Um, and I think parents are kind of it's like a double edged sword. They're either. You know, too hard on their child, or else they're too soft on them. That you know, it's really hard to get, to get it. You know, to get it right, to to be fair. You know, to be fair in terms of how much they play. To be fair in terms of how much they're they're getting their child to do on on a football pitch. You know, I take all the corners, the free kicks, all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talk about winning, and and, and we certainly don't want to get away. I mean, the way I look at it is that. You know, when, when 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 kids go out to play, they go out to play to have fun. You know, they go out to play to have to win the game. I, I'm yet to meet a kid that doesn't go out to, to, to not want to win, that goes out to make mistakes, um, you know, and, and that goes out to, to, to not do their best. All kids try and go out and do their best. They try not to make mistakes, and they all go out to try and win the game. Um, I think sometimes it's the adult agendas and the adult egos that's getting twined into that. And uh, can can kind of kind of confuse things and make us think that maybe the kids actually don't want to win um, or are not interested in in, in progressing or, or improving in the game when they are. I think it's probably because they're not really at our pace. We're expecting so much from them. We're expecting them to improve a lot quicker. We want them to do things a lot quicker to, because we see things a lot quicker to them, and it's not really transferring down to the kids. So we get frustrated and we think, oh, look, you know, these kids aren't winners. They don't want to win. The problem is they don't want to win as much as you want to win. And yeah. I think that's, that's where the problem lies, is that we have a lot of adults get involved and they want to win more than the kids themselves. And every weekend the game is like that, where they're being frustrated and they're getting cranky with the players. 
so then the kids see that as well you know what winning you know it, it doesn't really bother me anymore because you know I see my coach he gets so frustrated with it he's trying to make us want to win you know uh, on his level every single weekend and I suppose then for a lot of kids it just becomes you know winning is not a nice feeling anymore because it's because of the amount of effort and I suppose the amount of instructions that's been taken for the kids to win um, I think what a lot of coaches and parents just need to do is just sit back you know allow the game to happen it's you know basically you train you, you give your instruction during training um, training is where you set the standards you know and then when the kids play their game at the weekend that's the, that's the, that's the, get, that's the time to, for them to show you what they've learned um, yeah. and, uh, uh, and how they're going to implement it on the pitch yeah. And I think as sometimes as parents, I certainly started out this way myself, we just get overly vocal, we get overly involved, and it no longer becomes fun. So when it's not fun, then kids aren't interested in winning or losing. They don't really care. They're just kind of there just to make up the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we really- I think a lot of kids nowadays, as they get older, feel that they, they should have this and they should have that. They feel they should be playing at that level. You know, even even without actually working hard to, to try and achieve or try and get into to a team that's playing at a higher level, yeah. um, there's a lot of self of uh, um, you know a lot of self entitlement going around. Uh, and if kids don't get it, there's also a lot of kids who who, who just give up. Um, and I think there's probably within certain age groups, say 15, 16, 17, um, you know, there maybe isn't the the knowledge to try and keep those kids involved, you know, to try and maybe speak to them one v one when they see a kid who's not really enjoying it. He's not all of a sudden he's not showing up for training. He's not really performing. Um, sometimes coaches can just go, "Well, ah, look, I'll just leave him. He's a lost cause now. You know, he's not really interested." And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. instead of maybe, do you know what? I need to speak to him. You know, find out what's happening. Find out what's happening at home. Um, you know, because there's a lot more to a kid than just coming down for training and playing football. He's got a whole different life, a whole life outside of football. Um, be it family life, social life, um, friends online, school life, you know. So there's a whole bio outside of football. And I think as coaches, we probably need to, to tap into a bit of that and get to, get to know the kids. And, 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 you know, sometimes when you, I think I always feel and always said that the best way to get to know your players is in a 1v1 situation the best yeah. way to, to kind of motivate them is in a 1v1 situation um, and uh, I, I don't think we do enough of that and no. I, think I that think we've got to find a way in training sessions because if you're if you are stuck in your own or you know you, you really do need to have people around you at training sessions and stuff so you have that ability to be yeah. able to talk to one-on-ones with, yeah. with, with, with players you do. I, for me this, this year I was on my own this year it was very very difficult to try and Speak to players in one v one. Try and be the coach and try and be the manager. You know, so yeah. certainly. I mean, someone asked me this the other day. You know, what 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 have I learned? And that was one of the things I learned. Never coach alone. Never be never be by yourself on the yeah. sideline. Always have someone there that you can talk to and and, and just and you know, someone that can listen to you in relation to changes or players or or, or, or training or whatever it be. Um, so on on that so. If is there anything we we asked you for we do a thing called the big tree and we had uh, an under the skin card a thumbs up card and a puzzle card is is there nothing there for an under the skin that gets to you? Uh, what was it? I actually I actually wrote something down earlier. <laughs> um, so yeah, I tell you what really really irks me. What was the first one? What was the first one again? Under the skin card. It's just under the skin card. Yeah. Um, I think a booking, a booking for a celebration is just absolutely ridiculous. It's nonsense. I, mean, I think 
you know, when you see some of the goals that are being scored and players, you know, going, they're running and they're going to celebrate and they can't believe and they're shaking their head and their hands are up in the air and all of a sudden they just stop because they realise if they go any further, they're going to get booked and they might be on a yellow. Yeah, it's nonsense. And that just totally irks me, you know. I think that the celebration is just part of the emotion of the game and, and you know, a lot of people kind of kill it. Yeah. I also think that, if I could throw this one yeah, in, on. the non-celebration. So the non-celebration of the player who oh. scored against the team that he used to play for, I just don't get that. You're getting at when me you now. score a goal, <laughs> celebrate, enjoy it. I mean, this thing of holding your hands up, I'm sorry, scoring against a team that I used to Your play. former team, yeah, I can't understand it. A goal is a goal. Go and celebrate yeah. the goal, enjoy it. You're with a team. It's nearly a lack of respect to the team that you're with. Yeah, exactly, yeah, it Isn't is. It? Yeah. I mean, Mo Salah scores yesterday. Down, it was, I think it was down the cop end, was it? That's right. Yeah, down the cop end. He just you know, throws his hands in the air, no celebration, no nothing on his face, not even a smile, you know. Yeah. I mean you know, if you spent ten years at a club maybe, but I mean yeah. how long was he there? A year was he? Yeah, he was there a year. I mean I, 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 I he didn't even play much and he was let yeah. go I think it might have been a half year because I think he left for uh, might have been on loan but again I don't understand it get out enjoy yourself play it's got, if you score a goal great if your team scores a goal go out and celebrate it you know yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, live in the moment uh, yeah, I mean, I'm waiting I'm waiting I'm waiting to see an under 9s and under 10s kid who just move from one team to another and he scores to, to do the same thing, thing yeah no, and this is a role model so these lads sometimes don't realise how much of a role model they are two yeah. kids and how much an influence they have on them uh, thumbs up batting that uh, in the game or in the sports that uh, you like um, that I like uh, uh, yeah I tell you what I do like in hockey I like the way you can just dribble the ball in and I, I like the way that you, you don't have to pass it so when the ball's down you can either pass it or you can dribble it in and it just speeds up the game really really quickly you know, it was something I spoke about years ago and, and it's kind of implemented now in under fives but I still love it to see in, in under nines and uh, in under sevens as well so yeah. I think it's a great one and it encourages dribbling and it encourages quick play and quick thinking yeah exactly and puzzled Anton that you just can't get your head around um, just uh, boxing scores probably you know the scores in, yeah. in boxing games <laughs> it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky one isn't it you don't know it's um, it, and that is the end of that interview.